Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Today. So this is the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. Philip must have been thinking about current gas prices maybe for us. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted, When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves and those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God, let us say. Thanks be to God. So VBS was fun last week. It was also rather exhausting. Um, it was kind of funny at the last day, you, um, we started singing the songs, and even the kids were tired, but you see like the kids in their red shirts jumping up and down and waving their hands in the air, and there's this one song with the Lord's Prayer that you'll hear when we show a video later during offering, um, where you have to like, you know, dance in a circle and wave your hands, and the kids were doing that, and the adults in green shirts were kind of doing this. Um, we were all relying upon sustenance from the Lord the entire time, and um, it was impossible kind of for me, you know, the conversation the entire day was centered around food. It was food truck party. We did the manna in the morning and the quail every night, you know. We had all this talk about food the entire time. There were snacks abundantly everywhere. Um, we were bringing food. You should have seen the kids stream down the aisles to bring their food um, up to the altar. We were so proud. We have like 1,200 food items up here that we're giving to all community outreach. Like, it was all centered around food. So at the end of the day, it was also, not only was I exhausted, but it was impossible not to be hungry the entire time. So we were looking for something to fill me up. And I would drive down Stacy and just grab something to eat most days um, afterward. And, um, you know, there's a whole plethora of different options as you drive through. You can find the fast food road that gets in there. As you turn into the villages of Allen, there's 
there's free birds and there's lots of different, you know, there's um, whatever the fish place is called and you swing around Uncle Julio's. And it brought to mind this question that I, um, as I come to a certain restaurant, it brought to mind this question that I had been asked a long time ago. And I don't know why this is such a conversation point, but I remember this conversation happening. And I want to know if your thoughts echo the thoughts of many of my friends. Um, Is Olive Garden really Italian food? Raise your hand if you think Olive Garden is really Italian food. Okay, Kyler's up for it. A few of you. Yeah, we have a few. It qualifies, right? Um, it qualifies. And, and I, you know, just on Thursday, again, I texted some friends. I, for whatever reason, I remember this conversation. And it was, I think one of my friends was, like, really authentically Italian and would, would really get uh, upset every time we called Olive Garden Italian food. Um, and so texted a few people, asked them the question. They all had that same response. It was like, no way. Um, the salad's watery, the pasta's microwaved. Now, the breadsticks. Everybody loves the breadsticks. Those are good. Um, but I said, well, is there someplace else that you eat? And they said, yeah, we go to Italian Garden. We go to these other neighborhood niche places that are a little bit better. And um, I said, well, follow-up question, do you eat at Olive Garden? And everyone said, oh, yeah. I was like, hold on, you don't think it's authentic Italian food. You're bl- you, know, you don't really like the salad part of it all. The breadsticks are fine. Why spend your money there? And the consistent answer was, well, it's unlimited. You can go, and there's a basket of bread, and when you eat it, you can ask someone to bring you more, and they will every time. There's a salad bowl, and when it runs out, someone magically brings you another one. You can even pay enough to get the unlimited pasta bowl, right? And so theoretically, I mean, Patrick O'Connor and I were joking that we should have just brought our laptops to lunch one day and just eaten all day long, And we would have seen if the economics was worth the heart attack that we would have had toward the end of that. They have this design that it is supposed to feel like an authentic Italian dinner. That you're supposed to be sitting around with your big Italian family, hobnobbing where the food is abundant, it never ends. Grandma made too much food and we're just going to pass it around until there are 12 loaves and 12, or 12 baskets worth of pasta left over afterward. That's the feeling that they were going for. In fact, their uh, initial slogan was, if you remember, say with me, Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. We want you to be here. We want you to be around the table And one day, they looked up and recognized, what are their key demographics? When you live in downtown Manhattan, you're not eating at Olive Garden. When you live in downtown Dallas, you're not eating at Olive Garden. You know who eats at Olive Garden? People who live in Allen. People who live in the suburbs eat at Olive Garden. So the other game that people in the suburbs love to play besides eat at Olive Garden is how many things can I cram into one day's schedule? How many things can I sign my kid up in one specific day? Which means how many places can I drive from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed? It's this really fun game that we all love to do. And Olive Garden recognized our demographics are these people who are intentionally burning themselves out, going from place to place to place to place to place to place to place. So they changed their slogan Go Olive Garden. I'm sure they spent a lot of money on a marketing uh, firm to come up with this very creative thing. It was Go Olive Garden. Now, they've since changed it back to um, uh, we're all family here. But that's different from when you're here, you're family, right? The first one was centered around this big, authentic Italian feast where we all got together and there was this abundance of life around the table. Then they recognized 
everybody is taking advantage of this miracle called takeout. Because if we do takeout and we don't have to stop and eat, we can add one more thing to our schedule. So let's call it Go Olive Garden to promote Let's Go! Well, you know what you can't have when you're driving from place to place to place to place to place to place and you're going Olive Garden? You can't have an authentic Italian family meal. And you know what else you can't have? Unlimited pasta. They will not give you unlimited pasta in your car for you to take home. There is a direct tie between abundance, fulfillment, abundant life, and presence. And the Gospel of John leans into this really heavily. Katrina did a great sermon a few weeks ago on the Gospel of John, the first chapter in that, and, and it starts off with this whole, um, uh, uh, this whole soliloquy about um, looking at how Jesus was always here from the beginning, is present with us now, and will be present in the future. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the wisdom of God, and the wisdom was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. John really wants us to know that Jesus is present with us. And with Jesus present with us, that means God is present with us. And where there is presence, there is abundance, and there is fulfillment. He goes on later in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. I like the way that Eugene Peterson framed it in the message version of the Bible. God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood where you can have an authentic big family feast together. The Gospel of John wants us to know, maybe more so than the other Mark, Matthew, and Luke, wants us to know that God is fully present, really present with real people who have real needs. And during VBS, we, uh, we looked at some of the ways that God does sustain us. And the first two were kind of along the lines of God's provision. Manna in the wilderness, um, God providing unlimited flour for Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And we talked about other Bible stories, but, but the last one comes from the Gospel of John. It's in the other synoptic Gospels as well, but it's the feeding of the 5,000 that Carrie Lynn read for us. And, and maybe no other story just exemplifies abundance with presence when it comes to not only God, but with each other, like the feeding of the 5,000, especially in John's gospel. In John's gospel, you've got, um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, when the story, you know, so the story unfolds where they're out in the middle of nowhere, and they realize it's getting toward the end of the day. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, somebody identifies the problem. There's no stores around here. There's not an olive garden. We can just go get some takeout and we can keep going on to our next thing. We need to send these people away so that they can go get their stuff. Well, in the Gospel of John, the disciples never asked for anyone to be sent away. They asked what we're going to do here amongst us. And of course, they go and they find the, the boy has this loaves and fish. And in, in Mar Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus blesses the loaves and fish. There's a miracle, and the disciples hand out all the food. But in John, Jesus is the one who personally hands out the food to all 5,000 people. And those are probably just the men. There's probably women and children there as well. Right? There's a very real presence going on that we are going to be together in the midst of this problem, and Jesus himself is going to be the one who sustains us and who gives us the life for our real needs, for real people. And even more so than that, the words, the language used in the Gospel of John is very significant. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that what is filled in the bowls is bread and fish. 
but it's this very generic bread and this very generic fish. The Greek word for fish is igthus in this situation. Um, when you get into the Gospel of John, it very specifically says that they gathered up the barley bread. And barley bread is the, the bread that is harvested in the feast of the Passover. So there's some significance there as well. But even beyond the spiritual significance of being tied to the Exodus story and deliverance of Passover is the fact that John names this very specific kind of bread that is a very specific answer to a very specific need that a very specific Jesus passes out to each individual person. And then the word for fish is asperon. Um, let me get this right. So asperion. In, in Greek, that means little fish. The generic fish, ichthus, is what the other three Gospels use. That would become the acronym for Jesus that early Christians use as a code. But um, asperion is, means little fish. So maybe it was a sardine. Maybe it was something other than that. We don't really know what it was. And on one hand, we can look at this little word of little fish, and, and we could do what most people do with this story and say, with something little, God can create abundance, right? With just a little act of generosity, God can create this huge, abundant life. But we can also look at it and say that is very specific information because John wants us to know that that is a real kind of fish for real people given to them by a real Jesus who is a real God amongst them for real problems to meet real needs. We had this awesome juxtaposition of presence and abundance this last week. I am usually more of a fan of celebrating our week-in and week-out ministries. The people who week-in and week-out lead children's Sunday school or uh, student Sunday school or any of those kind of things are heroes in my book because it is constant rhythm, and I think discipleship happens better that way. But there is something special about um, blocking off a sustained period of time of presence to recognize how present God is. And like things like VBS or Big Stuff, which our students went to in Florida as this worship camp, those are examples, and that's why we have these spiritual highs during these prolonged, sustained periods of presence, is because we actually open ourselves up to the idea or the reality that God is present with us versus when we come on a weekly basis, sometimes it's just another thing to do if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes church is another thing to go to. Sometimes Sunday school, youth group, whatever it is, is just another thing before we go off to the next thing, getting drive-through on the way. But when we're in VBS, when we're in big stuff, we have these sustained periods of real presence with each other where we are able to block out other things and experience God fully because God is always there. It was great hearing the stories in big stuff. I mean, I don't know if y'all know what a schedule for a um, Allen or Lovejoy or McKinney or Plano High Schooler looks like these days, um, but they don't have a lot of downtime, and they're exhausted. And, and big stuff is loud. You'll see Rick Adler dancing on the video soon. Sorry, Rick. Um, it's there for posterity's sake. Like, you're going to see this big loud effect. It's loud, it's noisy, but they're able to leave everything else behind to be solely in the presence of God and each other for at least five days to have that time to recharge and to recognize what they constantly miss and to go in the go, go, go lifestyle is that Jesus is there offering them something that is abundant right then and there. It was great watching kids who came here four days out of the week instead of just one hour out of the week. And in four days for three hours, they had the best time and they were loud and they were crazy and they were doing crafts and they were just celebrating and they were jumping on Mia Perrin's back. I mean, it was just this huge, amazing sense of joy. And I remember like my job, I called morale police. 
And my job was to walk around the entire time, and if I found one kid who didn't look like they were having fun, I would go make fun of them or give them some kind of grief and, and help them have fun again. I would get them excited, or I would go to the volunteers and give them high fives. That was my entire, my entire existence is this. Uh, and so I found that I, you know, I was just hobnobbing with this group of campers one time, and there was this girl who didn't look like um, she was excited, but I started asking, you know, I started trying to get her excited, and, and I realized quickly she's just not the excited personality, but I just said, come on, isn't this the best place ever? And I'm expecting, eh. And she answers back, it is. I was like, great, good answer. <laughs> that was perfect. And I said, oh, okay, great. Well, what's so great about this? She goes, oh my gosh, I love the crafts. I love the people. This is so exciting. And this is a girl that I hadn't seen in like two years. Like, you know, COVID hit, patterns got changed. And people who would still say they love the church, habits change. Hadn't seen this girl in two years. So we start talking about how wonderful the church is and, and how much she loves with being here with all the VBS people and the excitement and the crafts and all the things that she's doing. She's telling me about the Bible stories she learned, and she ends with this thing as she's walking to her next group. She says, I wish my mom and dad brought me here more often. <laughs> Don't worry, I did text their parents afterward and told them that. <laughs> And I don't know what kind of experience with the divine she had. I have no idea if she would even name it as an experience with God. But she had the experience of presence. She had the experience of presence of volunteers who poured into her the love of Christ for four straight days for three hours every day. She had the experience of being present with other people who were singing songs to the Lord and being goofy and just here to have a good time without any pressures of the outside world. And in that moment, I believe that this girl found more peace and more joy than perhaps in other areas of her life. She expressed that she wished she came here more often. And I do believe that there is a tie-in. Yes, the, the feeding of the 5,000 story can be looked at as what can Jesus do with just a little to make a whole lot. And the prosperity gospel preachers will use this story all the time. But when I was sitting down and talking, I mean, Pastor Adam wrote my sermon for me this week. Basically, when I was talking to him about this whole thing, he really was teaching me about the presence that John emphasizes in these small details in the text. And about how when we are present and we don't send people to handle their own problems, but we combine to uh, solve problems together, and we make sure we are around Jesus when we are solving those problems, that presence leads to abundance, and presence leads to fulfillment. And it really got me to thinking that the challenge for us is to question, how present are we really? When we are feeling disconnected from our faith or from our church, how present are we putting ourselves into God's pathway. If God is eternally present from the very beginning and onward into the future, if Jesus is consistently running down the road to meet the prodigal son, how much are we putting ourselves in the path to receive the loaves and the fishes? How present are we? How distracted are we? How busy are we? How much is this just another thing to do? Or how much is our life centered around receiving all that God is trying to give us and noticing all that God is doing? And I think that's a challenge that I have to sit in as well. And I do this for a living. I'm a professional Christian. And I have to sit in this question of how much, how much do I often say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to leave you over here while I go take care of my hunger. How many times do I look at somebody and say, well, why don't you go to the next city down the road? I'm sure there's an olive garden. You can get it to go. 
Or how much do I realize that when we're here, we're family. And family shares an abundant love. Family is present with each other. So the challenge is, is how present are we? Not only in being here, or being with each other, or tending to our soul by being in God's presence. How present are we in the light of Christ when we go out from this place? That's the other challenge I want to offer to you, especially during this summer. I know vacations happen and everything, but as we're gearing back for kind of when life begins in the school year, I want to offer you the challenge of those people that you know of who may be wondering where God is, who may be struggling in faith, or who may be just, you know what, they are rock solid, but they have broken habits of presence and maybe seem like they need just a boost in a community that will help them to recognize the abundant love of God. Challenge I have for you is to recognize those people and invite them into something amazing. To invite them into the life of Christ that you are a part of. And and this doesn't have to be judgmental and it doesn't have to be threatening. This does not have to be, well, David told me to look for all of the lollygaggers in our life and, and condemn them to hell. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that you go and you tell them, you know what, I was at VBS last week. And it was amazing to see 170-something children and 93 volunteers just going nuts for Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to experience the joy that that was. I was on the beach at Big Stuff last week, and we were singing out of our mind and dancing to silent disco. But the best part about it all was that I was surrounded by people who really cared and loved for me, both adults and students. You know, I went to my small group the other day, and, and we got in there, and we abandoned all the lesson plans because we just rallied around each other because someone had this great joy that they wanted to celebrate or struggle, and it was exactly what I needed that day. Or you know what? I went to church the other day, and, um, and, and the preacher said exactly, God was speaking right to me that moment. You know what? I was present, and I put myself in the way of what God can do. And I want you to come see for yourself what that looks like. Because if we don't invite, if we don't keep each other in the loop, what we're really doing is saying, you know what, over there in that city, there's an olive garden. Just drive through and get some food on your way home. Instead of Jesus in the Gospel of John that says, here, let me serve you. Let me invite you to stay so that you can absorb the fullness of what God can do. Would you pray with me? Gracious Jesus, we thank you for constantly running down the road because... Wherever we are, there you are. And you continue to chase us, you continue to pull us, you continue to walk with us through all of the celebrations and joys of life. We thank you for the sustenance that meets our very real needs and the people that you have inspired in your Holy Spirit to come alongside of us to meet our very real needs because you are a very real and very present God. And so may we be your very real and very present hands and feet of uh, out in the world. May we be a representation of the abundance that you offer to us in faith that there will be leftovers for even more people. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite... Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. 
Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.